What's the update? How are you feeling now? I'm feeling much better. I have to say this is this is week four of what we believe to be the virus, having not been tested, but been told by doctors I had it, have it. Um, last week, there were a few dodgy days after we recorded the pod. There were a couple of back to bed days, aching, breathing, weird stuff. So I had to, I have to keep reminding myself, take it easy. Did so. Did some short walks at the weekend. Um, so I, I still can't get over how you can go from being fairly capable of running slash jogging to barely being able to walk. Um, but it, it doesn't feel like there's someone sitting on my chest. They just sit on it occasionally, which which is which is a great step forward from someone just sitting there permanently. So that chest feels looser. I'm not coughing as much. I got a bit more energy. So yeah, no, great. And there were some lovely messages last week. And can I just say, this is a this is a horrible illness. And if I have had it, I really only had it in a minor way compared to hundreds of thousands of people around the world. So please just, just take care. So it sounds like you're properly on the mend now. Yeah. You're officially in recovery. Yeah, I, I think I definitely think so. It, the, the coughing, the coughing is less. I don't think you'll have to edit so much coughing out this week. Um, <laughs> I can walk a bit further. I can do a little bit more. Although I took the, the boys out. They went out on their scooters yesterday. And they don't scoot very fast. But I was, yeah, that was, I was kind of wheezing and huffing and puffing, uh, walking fast. So there's a little way to go. But you keep telling me, because I'm, I think I'm quite impatient with this. And you're raising your eyebrows at me now. But you keep saying, you've, I'm like, why am I not back to normal? And you just keep saying, just take it easy. Yeah, but you keep talking nonsense. Let's be honest. You say things like, oh, I hope I can run again soon. You probably can't. It's going to take a while. <laughs> You're going to have to build it up walking and just go step by step. You've had a respiratory infection, quite a serious one. And it's going to have taken it out on your lungs. You'll get there. You'll get back to recovery, but it's going to take a while. What is a while? Months. What? Months. Months. Exactly, right? See, this is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> Zero acceptance. This is going to take a while. You're still kind of coughing all of the time and, and struggling to keep up with, with your kids on, on the scooters. So, like, you will get there. It's fine. But you're going to have to build it up nice and steady. I think there was one message from you at some point last week when I think I'd had to come back to bed and I was just feeling a bit rotten. And you said, you've just got to accept the truth. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, what's that? What's what's the truth? Because with me, it always comes back to I wanted to get back to running or getting out. And you said, I think you may have said the word months then. And I just thought, no, it's, it's rubbish. Yeah, and it was quite funny because we were chatting. And you know, when like we're both on the phone at the same time, we're just talking over WhatsApp. But there's like instant replies. And then when I said like, look, okay, it's going to be a while. It might be months. There was not a reply for like a good, a good like half an hour. And I knew that I'd upset you. I think I just stared at the phone and I didn't know what, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to write. I didn't want to be that petulant child that goes, no, it's fine. And it's going to happen soon. And I know you do speak truth, especially in more physical matters. And I get it. But I just, yeah, I was a little bit like a petulant child. And I just stared at my phone and I just thought, that's not true it's not true but I think yeah every time I, I go out for a walk I, I realize it is true I did also say nice things like you know you will get there it's just not a problem you will get back to where you were before but I oh, know you do say a lot of nice things I say a lot of so nice things but a um, lot yeah, of nice some, things. sometimes I do say things a little direct and I think ooh. No, but <laughs> and then I, when I, the response doesn't come I think okay <laughs> but but you but you need that. And, I, and one thing I've always liked about you, which scared me at first, is your directness. Because if you're not yeah. happy with something or you don't believe something, 
you'll just say it. And at first I was like, that's, that's quite harsh. But no, I, I, I need that kind of reality check. I think every now and then. Yeah, no, it's good. No, it's good because the thing is, is that it'll be a bonus and think how proud of yourself you'll be when it only takes you one month to start running again. And you thought it was going to take a few. You'll be like, oh, I've smashed this. Whereas if you think it's going to take two weeks and then it takes a month, you'll be miserable. I just think we've got to stop talking in terms of months because I think that's still quite hard to accept. It took me a long time to accept that Wimbledon wasn't happening. And I, I feel it's the same. <laughs> I feel it's the same in this instance. But we'll, uh, we'll, and I was thinking that with, uh, you and I at the moment are, are unemployed. I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly. That's it, they, so it? there you go, dis- dishing out a bit of your own harsh truth there. Thanks. What, I'm not telling you that for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> and and with tennis, I mean, Dominic Team has been the latest person to come out and say, I don't think there'll be any tennis this year. I, I don't see how he can get back to playing tennis because it, it's such a global sport. So I was thinking there's the possibility, and I do do some football pieces, bits and pieces, of being unemployed for the rest of the year, maybe looking into doing some other work, trying something I'm not sure what I'd be good at but trying something else as I can't go running apparently um and then there's the the wonderful story of a Grand Slam champion who instead of just staying in lockdown and doing bits and pieces decided to go and get himself a job he did I enjoyed this Kevin Kravitz the Roland Garros Grand Slam doubles champion they're not going to be of well, just last year it wasn't like it was 20 years with Andreas Mies but Kevin Kravitz is working has been working in Lidl in Munich yeah I think he's been like stacking shelves and stuff hasn't he yeah 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 it's great I mean I, I enjoyed the piece actually uh, I think it was Mike Dixon that did the piece in, in in the Daily Mail it wasn't like oh look he's fallen on the hard times he's working in Lidl the, the, the thing was is that they were looking for people to help and they needed people to help. And a friend of his was doing it. And he really just wanted to do something with his time and help. It's not like he needed the uh, the money. <laughs> As I say, he earned hundreds of thousands of dollars last year. And, um, you know, unless he lives an extraordinarily extravagant lifestyle for a, <laughs> for a doubles player, <laughs> then uh, I think it was more just a, a choice because he wants to help out. He's fit and healthy, so he can kind of be doing that sort of work. And... Uh, and got involved, which is it's great. Good for him. I like the way he said that people come into the shop. N- not everyone, but people come into the shop and they'd look at him. Or they might do a double take and then walk off. And and he would obviously know why they're doing a double take. And then some people would just come up to him and said, you do know who you look like. And But he, he from what I've seen of him, and we interviewed them a little bit via Nick McCarville at the O2 lovely guys really laid back just really appreciative of everything and also you know what I kind of get it wanting to do something because as we've talked about with the athletes they have been up to this point very limited in what they can do so a to help but b just to go out and do something yeah I think I mean in tennis of course I mean somebody like uh, Kevin Kravitz is lucky um, not lucky he's worked very hard to get there but he's on the tour all year round so he never needs to worry about being unemployed um, but for something like um, you know I, I know I mentioned it last week on on the pod but a friend of mine who's an actor um, for, for actors it's such a normal thing that when you're out of work to get some bar work or to work in a supermarket or to just get something just to have some cash coming in because even really successful actors they earn a massive chunk and they can go months and months without any work um, uh, coming in so it's it's kind of like a more acceptable thing I think in tennis in the lower ranks you do get players who 
will come back home and do some coaching to pick up some cash um, before then going out again. So they kind of do blocks. They say, right, I've got enough money. I'm going to go and play for six weeks. And they come back and coach and hit with younger players. And they go again and you get a lot of people doing half and half like that. Um, But it's not really part of the culture that you would come back and do a different job. But I suppose it's because coaching are going to earn more money and it's probably just something a bit more comfortable and they can pick it up quite easily as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a more acceptable thing, I think, in other industries. Like There are lots of kind of West End stars who are doing a similar sort of thing. Um, and as I say, other kind of actors and actresses. But for... Um, the tennis players yeah it's quite it's quite unique really isn't it and especially for the the players who are on tour all year round they don't get really any kind of break they might work in a training block during the season there's a little period after Wimbledon where people seem to get engaged married or pregnant because that's a nice little gap and then there's at the end of the season when there's a little bit of a gap but for the top players they have promotional events so they're doing other bits and pieces and they might get a week on an island in the Maldives, which seems to be the island of choice. And then it's back into pre-season. They don't really get who gets this. Or if they're injured, they can't go and get another job, I don't know, working in a bar because they're working on their injury. So this is a, look, it's a very unique time for most people in the world. But I think for tennis players, you are so used to being on that treadmill of touring and moving and training and it carries on again and again. Suddenly you've been largely locked in for weeks and weeks with nothing to do. And it's a bit of a taste of normal life, isn't it, really, for for these players. And there are lots of positives that they will take from it. I mean, probably get over their permanent jet lag they've had for 10, 15 years. <laughs> Actually might not be jet lagged for a period of time if they spend more than sort of six weeks in one place because they pretty much have just never, ever done that. So, um, so that will be nice spending time with the family, of course, all those bits and pieces. Um, but I think there'll be some difficulty as well, because you've got to remember that, that these players, not only have they not had a normal life since the age of, you could say 18, didn't go to university, although a couple went to, to college, but didn't go to university, that sort of thing. A lot of these players haven't had a normal life since they were very young. A lot of them moving abroad, very young, going to academies, either going to boarding schools or, or just, even if you didn't do that, even if you stayed at home and you were very fortunate to have a world-class tennis coach at the bottom of your road, every hour that you would be socialising or being bored, for example, you just wouldn't be bored because you'd be playing tennis or you'd be hitting against a wall or you'd be doing something. You'd be down at the tennis club. I mean, I know so many people like myself just you know, drop down on a Saturday morning and that's it, right? You're at the tennis club. What are you going to do? You're going to play tennis all day, aren't you? Until <laughs> until someone comes to pick you up. Um, so I think it, it's quite interesting. I'm sure an awful lot of them will have incredibly itchy feet. It's the similar sort of feeling for those who retire and feel a bit lost and a bit vulnerable and have to sort of reset. There may be a couple who think, oh, this is what I've been craving. There are some players out there who crave a normal life and they don't, I mean, they love what they do. They love the tennis, but, you know, sometimes the traveling can get quite exhausting and and tiring. And as you say, you are just on that treadmill Um, and really all you can ever do is just slow it down a touch. You can't really stop it. Yeah, and then you're going to have players, somebody like Juan Martín del Pocho, who is so used to this. He's like, oh, this is what I do every year anyway. (laughs) 
have some sort of sabbatical from tennis. Of course, I'm sure he would give anything to have not had those massive gaps in his career. So um, I'm sure there'll be lots of different emotions and, and things that, that players are going to have to deal with. And do you think they'll also find it, and you can answer this from a professional point of view, from a, for a non-professional point of view, going back to my jogging slash running, I haven't done it now in three weeks and the one thing I've noticed is nothing hurts my body doesn't ache all those bits and pieces when I was cli- yes I've got the breathlessness but that's a very different type of thing from when you exercise a lot and I probably don't stretch enough the aches and pains that I continuously have when I exercise and that as I say is on a very layman's non-professional level these guys who haven't stopped in years and years surely and maybe when you quit playing I don't know if your body did always ache but there's an element of their their bodies are healing that they're, they're not hurting they're not being put under the stress I'm sure that will be the number one area for all players will be to just sort out any niggles, get the body as healthy as possible because they've got the time to do that. They really, they actually can rest. They almost have to rest um, and do other sorts of rehab. They have so much time on their hands. So I think for sure people will be coming back uh, healthier, but sometimes those niggles are a good thing. You kind of need that bit of strength. It's like if you say... You've got, um, I don't know, you've got a hand. I've got two. <laughs> of got I don't know what's happened to you in lockdown. <laughs> okay, right. I've expl- it sounds like I'm explaining this to a three-year-old. For example, if you uh, have just a regular hand. <laughs> a regular hand. So what's a, what's a non-regular hand? I'd love no. to see you doing some homeschooling. Can can we get you on a on on FaceTime or Zoom to homeschool the boys? Because I'd just love to see their faces as you're telling them about a normal hand. This is and my hand. That you're sh- <laughs> a lovely hand. Um, no, what I mean is that the skin on it is very soft. It's very normal. If you've never done much manual labour or, or used your hands that much, you just it, they're soft. And if you then go rock climbing for three hours, you're going to rip them to pieces, like yeah. absolutely destroy them. And then you can't go rock climbing for probably a week until it heals up again so the fear and the concern for all these players is that that's what's going to happen and that because those niggles will be healed and they're not getting the impact and you know that sort of toughening up I mean one thing you know of course I'm talking about blisters and the skin but it's the same with kind of joints and, and everything you condition yourself to be able to do what you do every single day and when you stop doing that for a lot a long period of time that can be really difficult and we know that practice is so different to, te- to to matches because you just don't slam on the brakes as hard. You just don't quite do that extra 10%. You don't hold the tension in your body through the, the time that you're playing as well, even if you're playing practice sets, those sorts of things. Now, you watched a little bit of the first live tennis that we've had anywhere in the world in a competitive nature since March. Yeah, and do you know what? It was tennis. It was exactly as you kind of expected. Um, it, it's Look, it was never going to be the atmosphere of centre court because <laughs> there was no one there. But, <laughs> I, you know, it was, it was great. I'm pleased that they are trying within the rules to because we've got to see what works, how it can work, kind of, because tennis is going to want to get back as soon as possible. Um, but and it might just be one silly little rule that prevents us from doing it. Like, well, you can't have a ball that everybody touches 
or something like that. So you need to try and find a way around it. I don't know whether that would be a rule or not. How do you not have a ball that everyone touches? I don't like know. How? You could have two different colours of balls or something. I don't know. So X can only touch the pink balls and Y can only touch the blue balls. Yeah, exactly. And then otherwise, you can obviously use your racket. I mean, the, the players are skilled enough to pick up a ball with their racket and hit it down yeah. the other end, so they don't need to touch it. You only need to touch it for the serve. So it is just so when when Gigi, you're, when you're serving, you can only use the pink balls, and I can only use the blue balls. But yeah, it's, I don't know. they're starting to tentatively put feelers out there to see what's possible. So Germany have had the first live tennis competition shall we call it and I know in America they're planning on doing one and the other big news this week as we record this is they've started to open bits of Europe in terms of sometime some places for the general public but in some places for athletes to get to a tennis court and that must be massive after I saw Petra Vitera talking how amazing it was to to be back on a court and just hitting tennis balls yeah um yeah a fair few countries now just kind of allowing tennis courts to be open not here in the UK at the moment hopefully that will happen happen soon um was it it was Alex Dimonor who put on his Instagram the video of his very first shot of his practice after lockdown it was just a massive shank forehand into the sky <laughs> Roger Federer style <laughs> I mean how good and positive will that be for the players mental health and just everything just to be able to play to be able to do what they do with their life is play tennis we spoke last week about the financial aid package being talked about in the ATP tour for the lower ranked players that it seems that Novak Djokovic has led the way on and Dominic Team has been a high profile player to come out and say well look I'm I'm not sure I fancy I'd, I'd rather just pick the players I want to donate to and Nick Kyrgios has come out saying he doesn't understand and we get too much money so that is still rumbling on but they are trying to put something in place for other players something you brought up when we've we've been chatting outside of the pod are the teams, the, the coaches and the, and the physios, and a lot of them are freelance, a lot of them work on win bonuses. What are they doing in these times? Because, yes, players can start to practice again, but they can't have necessarily, unless you're like Medvedev, who's living with his coach through lockdown, you can't have your coach back by your side. With the exception of kind of the top 20 players, um, 20 men, 20 women, who are obviously earning a huge amount of money when they're out on the tour, uh the players are actually benefiting in a sense that they're obviously not paying any expenses. If you're ranked 40, you would normally be paying your own expenses, your coach's expenses, a physio's expensive, S&C coach, you know, whoever it may be. We're talking flights, hotels, food, everything is paid for when you're on the road. So, you know, that's hundreds of thousands of dollars a year that they won't be spending. Of course, they're not going to be earning much as well. So I'm not saying they're not taking a hit, but it's the coaches who are struggling uh, a lot because I think you know, there's there's no kind of real standard in contracts for what is expected for coaches. But I know a lot of people will have in a time like this that they get their salary reduced down. But a lot of coaches won't have it at all. A lot of them are just paid for the days that they work, the, the weeks that they work, and that's it. Uh, which I always have an issue with anyway because a coach can do brilliant work with you for a three, four-week block as long as it's kind of a regular coach, you can't just bring somebody new in and, and do that, but they can do some really brilliant work, really improve your game. And that can last the, the lasting effects can really be sort of kind of two, three months of you doing really well. But if you haven't paid, like paid for the coach to come with you, they're just sat at home watching the work that they've done. And, and I know that of course the majority is down to the player, but 
if it was all down to the player, no one would have a coach. No one would bother, especially the top guys once they get there. So I really have an issue of, of coaches being paid by the day or by the week that they do because I, d- I don't think it's fair. I think it should just be spread through the, through, through the year. And say you're a coach that does 25 weeks on the road with a player. I feel like really you should be paid each week anyway because in between those tournaments they're going to go and play and that sort of thing and again like with percentage of prize money coaches will take a percentage um so if they, they might have a lower retainer and take a percentage of prize money some coaches will just do a, a, their salary and take no money in terms of prize money um but again you only get the prize money for the weeks that you're physically there um and and sometimes the weeks where it counts are the weeks where you're training or actually the weeks where you lose. If you lose in the first round, you've got the whole week to train and do some good work with your coach. And that's where they can be really beneficial. So hang on, if you weren't, say you'd agreed to do Indian Wells and Miami, you were there for Indian Wells. You weren't, no, you weren't there for Miami. They were there for Indian Wells and your charge were to win Miami the chances are you wouldn't get the win bonus because they they were two weeks that you weren't meant to be there. Totally depends on um, on, on your contract because you can work it into your contract. That's not a problem. But uh, it is very common for coaches to be paid for the work that they do. And the work they do is seen as kind of hourly and daily or weekly. Um, and it's just, can you come and do this week on the road with me? And then you just look at the schedule and do like, okay, great. Can you do, you don't need to do Madrid and Rome, just do Madrid. And then I'll do Rome by myself, that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's likely, but there are, will be a lot of coaches who would be in that situation. They could travel with a player and they could lose first round three times. Again, look, I'm not talking about the top, top coaches and the top, top players because it's a different situation when you've got that much money to play with. But, um, you know, for your standard tour player, you could have three weeks where they lose first round. But think about how many days worth of training you're going to get out of it. As a coach, you aren't going to do much of your scouting work and of your tactical work, but you're going to do a lot of the work on the court, um, really improving the game and improving the areas. And then you might not be working with them for a couple of weeks and they say okay right you know we only booked in these three weeks I'm going to do two weeks on my own and then you can join me again and then they go win a tournament and a lot of it's because of the work that you've done and that sort of thing so I'm not really a fan of that anyway but I mean the point I was going to make is that there will be plenty of coaches who are just not getting paid anything because it's not in their contract to be paid when the players aren't playing and um, as much as I'm sure there'll be some players who will go over and above their contracts and plenty of players who will have it in their contracts, they would pay their coaches anyway at a reduced rate or whatever they agree. Um, there will be a lot that just that just either can't or, or won't. And you look at physios and fitness trainers, a job where you need to get quite up close to your charge. And I imagine a lot of those also work on, is that a freelance basis or someone might just travel with someone for a bit and not travel with them for another part of the time. So very difficult for them at the moment yeah I mean you get a it's pretty much the same deal in a sense um but they'll probably be doing less weeks with S&C coaches particularly with physios they tend to share around players a lot more um and they might have three or four players that they basically in any one week they say right you know do, do you need me? Do you need me? Uh, whatever, so that they can try and keep as much work going as possible. And sometimes you'll get players who will split the payment for the physio for the French Open or whatever it is. Um, because, you know, how much physio can you have in a day, really? You can't have seven hours, can you? 
um so you can you can share it and that's that's fine and you come to an agreement between the two players so um yeah i mean they will all be be really really struggling to be honest it's a difficult situation though again leaving aside the top top players who have the money and and probably can afford and there's different kind of contracts and retainers etc etc but if you're a player a lower ranked player and you've got a coach who you value but you're not making any money and you don't have massive reserves of money and any money you've got you've got to pay I don't know mortgage rent food living costs it's very hard then to pay a coach who sounds a bit harsh, but it isn't doing it. I mean, maybe they still are doing something, maybe via phone or FaceTime, they're having coaching sessions or helping them. But it's it's a really tough to, you value that person highly. But in these really, I mean, I'm unemployed at the moment. There is no money coming in. Luckily, my other half, he's got his job and that's all fine, et cetera, et cetera. But I imagine for some of these players, it's they've got a lot of overheads and expenses and they'll need to keep some money for when the tour does restart to hotels flights getting themselves it's a difficult situation isn't it to then say well as much as I value you I I can't afford to pay you at the moment it's it's not easy and it depends at the level that that you're talking about I mean there was an article that Thomas Drouet did in uh, an interview with him who was a coach on the tour in Liquip uh, and he was saying he's been working with Wang Chong and he was saying that she's just not paying me so that is a situation where you look at that and you feel kind of like oh well, that's that's pretty rough going for somebody like Thomas Drew, who's a very successful coach, been on the tour a long time. But he is also very experienced in knowing that, for me, it is one of the most vulnerable and unsafe jobs you can do. You can get fired at the drop of a hat. Like you could just go to breakfast, see your player, and they go, do you know what? It's not working for me anymore. It's like a relationship in terms of getting dumped. You know how people get so insecure about that? And that is that that's the reality. There's... There's no protection, there's no employment laws, there's no nothing. It's just kind of, no, we're done. Why aren't there? Why has nothing been done to this point to put some kind of structure in place? Because this is nothing new. Yes, having a pandemic is is new and, and shutting down sport, the world, the economy as it has done. But this isn't new in terms of going to breakfast and your coach saying, actually, it's not working or this or that. Or why has nothing been done from people you've spoken to before now? Because... this is something that's now in the spotlight but it's not something new no I mean but again it's similar to I don't know I always say this about tennis and that the lack of safety for players as we've seen a lot of complaints of players kind of going into free fall with finances and, and that sort of thing right now is there because there are a lack of barriers on the way up there's there aren't as many hurdles there's nothing stopping you from from getting to a certain place the the one big hurdle in tennis is the money you have to get to tournaments and I just think it's the same for the coaches so yeah it's incredibly unsafe and it's very uncomfortable and I think every coach has who's on the tour has experienced getting fired out of the blue and being out of work that day is it a worry is it a worry that if they speak up they'll be blacklisted and someone will say well don't go with X because they're making a big fuss about payments. Is there a worry that if a couple of people speak up and say, this isn't right, this is what I've gone through, that people, players won't hire them because they think, not that they're trouble, but because they've stood up and made such a point? Well, no, I think the thing is, is that I think the general attitude is that, okay, it is unsafe, but you have complete flexibility. You can work for who you want. It's a great job on the tour this is one of the biggest sports in the world 
and you can be anyone you can have no qualifications we see it all the time particularly on the WTA tour of coaches with no qualifications no experience whatsoever being an on-court coach and and there aren't you don't have to meet any requirements uh, which I think should be in place and I think it's just accepted across the board that this is the way that it is like it's just the it, it it's everybody's self-employed the players are self-employed the, the coaches everybody's a freelancer in a sense and it's just earning money from week to week um it doesn't matter who you are you don't know how much money you're earning in any given week because the difference between first round and winning the tournament is so astronomically huge i think there's also there's there's a safety net that i think is given more credit than it probably should be which is that you can go back to your home nation and coach and you can coach at a good rate so no matter where so Thomas Drouet I'm talking about him because I mentioned him from his article his interview that he did he can be at home in France and he can be charging whatever he wants to charge to be honest to coach somebody now of course we're in a pandemic this was not expected or anticipated by anyone he can't do that (laughs) but there is that sort of underlying thing that like well okay but if you actually really needed money if say you spent a month or two trying to get another gig on the tour you could take a job with federation so i feel like yeah there's there's that sort of an unwritten safety net but it's not the same job it's a totally different job um and it's a job that's it's not that it's beneath them but it's not what they want to be it's not the level they want to work at so if something came in and they said right we'll get these kind of contracts that are watertight it might mean that say Darren Cahill can't work for a TV network while coaching Simona Halep or another Thomas Drury couldn't go and work just with people at home in France so that's the kind of the give and take of it all if they did have more secure contracts to to guarantee them funds coming in there might be a clause saying okay but you're with us and you can't go off and do this and you need to be by my side and you can't pick up extra work. Yeah, a hundred percent. And there's also, um, there's always the whole, you can use my name sort of thing. So you can say, I'm coach of Wang Chong. I've been coach of, of Wang Chong or, or whatever. And there was that bit of a dispute last year, wasn't there? Was it earlier this year between, uh, uh Taylor Townsend and Kamal Murray? Um, because Taylor was saying, you never coached me and you keep telling people you, you did. And, he was kind of putting on posters like you know you can use that I mean even even myself it's such a, a small level but talking say with British coaches um you know once I'd played at Wimbledon you get every coach you've ever worked with saying can I put that on my website that I used to coach you and I'd say well no I was part of your program but you didn't used oh. to coach me so you just negotiate and you say look I'm happy for you to say that I was part of your program but I only kind of turned up and played in, in a squad that sort of thing or people who coached me they coached me and I'm like more than happy to take credit and whatever so that there's also that sort of benefit because it then means that they get more business they can charge more money that is there a coach that springs to mind that works well with this because there, there's there's one name that's just flashing through my mind that does well using having the player that he has do you see where I'm going Oh come Ooh. on! Oh come I'm on! Not sure. Which, which can't... because the thing is, is you're you're acting as if there's an obvious one, but I can think of like twenty. Oh, there's, no, there's a really <laughs> obvious one at top of top of top of the list. Come on, top of the list. Who would it be? Come top on, top of the list. Top of the list. Who would be the coach that has done extremely well as a coach, but also with his charge, having the charge that he has? Come on. I don't there know. are people screaming at the moment out loud listening to this podcast. Two words. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Patrick Moratoglu. Oh, 
<laughs> I totally forgot. I was literally running through every coach in my head apart from Patrick. Wow. I know. <laughs> I'm with you now. Yeah, he's known for that, right? For kind of maximizing what he's got. But what he's got is working with the greatest of all time. So that's pretty good. Like, as in, in terms of increasing your hourly rate, that is going to triple, quadruple who knows how much your hourly rate. And in terms of working for both people, what a great relationship working relationship that is he has obviously helped her an enormous amount the time they've been together but at the same time he kind of does his own thing he's doing radio tv he's got his academy going he's he's with Pass. he's with a, a number of players out there so it's something that works well on both sides it's very difficult but all i can say is that for being a coach on the tour it doesn't matter who you're working with until you start working with as i say top 20 players is a different ball game but any of the other coaches on the tour it's really tough you can lose your job like that and then you might not find a job very quickly and then you're not on the tour so you're not around so you need to be able to speak to people you need to have accreditations to be in kind of player lounges so you can talk to people and that sort of thing but you can't get that and very easily you can kind of um fall fall right away um but then I suppose the players can argue hey an injury or loss of form and exactly the same thing can happen to me and we've seen that happen to lots of players as well so um I understand that of course in a pandemic this is completely different to anything as I say not anticipated at all but players coaches everybody involved us everybody involved in in the world of tennis I think kind of feels like they're in free fall um, and is concerned about picking up work when they get back to it or whatever might happen but we then when the tour is up and running and healthy we enjoy the flexibility and the freedom to be in charge of what we're doing Now, before I forget, you know I still have your wedding present to give you and Ben. Oh, really? <laughs> so I think I'm going to turn it into a one-year anniversary present. Excellent. that might be the next time I see you. Um, and I've also got your present from Australia, which, it, 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 that feels like a lifetime ago. The Australian Open, I mean, did that happen? I mean, I, I just, it feels like another lifetime ago. Yeah, well, for me, it's still March. My life froze in March. I don't get it. It's weird, isn't it? But I've got something else that I'm going to give you, or I might send it to you is I finally admitted defeat in my Mr. Men and Little Miss jigsaw puzzle. Can't do it. Oh. Oh, you just, you can't do it. it. 500 pieces. They all all look the same. Do you know how many blue Mr. Men and Little Miss there are? Do you know how many pink Mr. Men and Little Miss there are? Do you know how many yellow Mr. Men and Little Miss there are? I'm sorry, but we might have to take this conversation off air because this is unacceptable. You cannot concede a puzzle. There, there are they. Are, some of these Mister Men and Little Miss I'd never heard of. I, I've got the basic <laughs> ones, but I didn't know that. So, so Mister Tall, obviously little body, long legs. He's got a Miss Tall. There's a there's a female version of him. They've just made that up. So, they're, honestly, they made up the whole thing. No, but no, they're I cartoons. know originally it was made up, but in terms of for this puzzle, they've just lobbed in some. Mr. Men that look like other Mr. Men. It's impossible. Now, I've been doing puzzles through lockdown, as the whole world has, and I've got the boys doing some puzzles. We've done Where's Wally puzzles, which are difficult things to do because everything looks the same. This puzzle, it's ridiculous. Like, it's ridiculous. I'm not having it. If no, I send you a picture nonsense. of the cover of the box, you won't even be able to name half of these creatures. But you gave up. You Could, could you not have done one more piece? No. 
I, I think I, yes, you could, I put, you could have done one more piece. I put half of Mr. Bump together and then it turns out there's another one that looks like Mr. Bump that I really never knew existed. There's one that looks like a squiggly thing, just lots of pink squiggles. I don't know what that is. I put him together and that's it, honestly. And I did a duck. That's it. I can't do it. I can't. <laughs> I just, I can't do it. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you that puzzle. Okay, great. I'll gladly have it. I'm going to let you off because you've been ill. That's my only reason for letting you off. Can't bail out of a challenge once you start. Can't do it. I'll do it. Can't do it. It's it's it's, Im- it's impossible. And something else you could help me out with. What would you do with a packet of beef mints? Because I've done everything about 55 times each now. <laughs> so I need something new to do with my beef mints. I think I've done everything with mints as well, to be honest. We had burgers last night. Yep, done. Um, I've got a big bowl of ragu in the nice. in the fridge, uh, which using for sort of a pasta bake slash. It's like a lasagna sauce, basically. Done. Yeah. Uh, I've got some chili, which is frozen. <laughs> so, um, what else have we done with mints? I don't know. If the meatballs. We like doing meatballs. Yeah, done. Yeah, done those. I've had a bolognese, your standard. That's your it. bolognese. I just tartar. <laughs> I, t- I don't think four-year-olds are going to really take well to beef tartare. Try it. Look, I know I live with a Frenchman and he'd probably love it. But I don't think four-year-olds, they'd look at me as if I was bonkers if I stuck raw beef mints in front. And I think you, tell them what and, it is. And I think you need a certain type of beef mints. I don't think from the local supermarket, I think you need a quality. That's, that's not a good suggestion. That's not good suggest- Lockdown, steak tartare, if it goes wrong, <laughs> it's not going to be good. I, I gave okay, up- go with the chilli. Go with the chilli. Get some beans in there. Okay, so I'm going to do that because I, it, it, it's the same with everyone though, isn't it? You you kind of get into a routine. You get into your lockdown routine and also there's kind of a meal routine. There are certain things you make and you do and you're sort of recycling it. But beef mints, I, I'm just, I'm at the end of my my end of my long list of recipes. Can I just bring it back to tennis? I don't know how to get there from beef mints, so I'm just gonna. Um, <laughs> there's there's no link. That is However true. tenuous or not, there is no link from beef mints to going back to tennis. But something I I wanted to talk about before we have to, mm-hmm. to go is all these Instagram lives we're seeing, Insta lives and conversations between players, which I'm loving. Some are some are a bit sort of oh, I'm not sure about this. Some are a bit random. Some are a bit dull. One person who I feel. I've seen a different side of and I've got to know is Venus Williams. I mean, who knew? Because Venus and Serena, as a lot of people, if they're listening to this, who work in tennis and have interviewed them, it it, it has been difficult over the years because they're just not interested in media interviews, press conferences. And I, I guess I started to form an opinion through those interviews and press conferences about not their tennis, obviously, but personality wise. But Venus... It's been amazing these last few weeks that the chat she's having, the workout she's doing, the the everything. It has been quite cool, actually, to see her like that. I felt like she was kind of like that a bit at the beginning of her career. And then there was almost like there was a moment. Yeah. I don't know when it was. I'm sure people who have been in this game longer than I have and were there know the day that she decided that she was done with media. <laughs> she was just not going to say anything interesting 
Um, and that that was it. And that's what she does. And she still plays phenomenally well and has done for years. But it's been quite a while now yeah. where she's been pretty closed off and, and shut down. And I think I remember watching one interview where I think it was on court after the match. Actually, it was at the, um, the finals, the WTA finals a couple of years ago, the last time she reached it there. Uh, and she was winning these matches in three sets and she just kept kind of coming through or coming back and just doing her Venus thing of just turning things around and all that sort of stuff. And I think she may reach the semis of that year. And uh, yeah, she answered every question with, I don't know. <laughs> just every single question. Just how did you turn it around? I don't know. Well, at this point you were doing this. What was going on? I don't know. And what about the next match you're playing against Vitalina? I don't know. And that was it. And then it'd be like, Venus Williams, everyone. <laughs> She'd wave to the crowd. <laughs> but even on court now, even at, at recent tournaments, not that we've had many recent tournaments, post-match interviews on court. Yeah, she, she goes further than I don't know. But still, it feels like a completely different person than the one on Instagram who the, the questions she's asking, the interest she's taking, the, the, I, I don't know. It's just, it, I know Instagram gives you that insight into people and some you think, Oh gosh, that's no, not very interesting. But I have to say, and, and I've never followed Venus Williams before now because of everything from work experience as in interviewing her, or whatever or press conferences, I just thought, well, I don't think that's going to be interesting, but I've started following her because these chats she's doing I mean she's genuinely interested in people she's she's full of life full of energy it's not I haven't obviously been doing the workouts but just the way she's interacting with everyone has been has been brilliant okay I'm gonna get on the next one then which one are you gonna watch the next and it, and, yeah I'm gonna get on the, the next Venus one yeah have a, have a watch it. yeah no it's you can do the workout see I can't yet but you can well, it's gonna be, remember you said it's gonna can I? you said to me it's gonna be months <laughs> gonna be months so I can't do it but yeah. you you could do it well, could. Could. Yeah. Might not. Don't want Can't to. Overnight. <laughs> now, I, I'm i going to have to, again, what reason can I have to leave you during lockdown when we have You'll no sort work? out your mints. Well, I've yeah, I've got to sort out my mints. And I'm also, it's my turn for childcare slash homeschooling duties. And can I just say the novelty of me being their teacher? Gone. I don't think it was ever there, was it? There was a little, no, I'd like to think there was a little bit of it there. Uh, now it's gone. Now they kind of look at me kind of fall off the chair wander they literally just walk off and I'm like uh, so we're in the middle of writing I don't know rat and one just walks off he's legit, and it's like oh mummy I'm, I'm tired we haven't started yet yeah I just need a little break you need a little break we're writing rat look there's talk that schools possibly might go back in some form first of June and uh, I, I yeah I think they need it maybe I need it but um, so, yeah, I've, I've got to brace myself because I'm going back in for a little bit of homeschooling. Right. So I will go and I'll go and try and homeschool. But uh, I look forward to more tennis. Oh, and I'll get that puzzle. Sort of that, it's a ridiculous puzzle. It's honestly ridiculous. <laughs> I'm looking it's ridiculous. They all, they all look the same. It's ridiculous. Right? 